Welcome to the Moms for Wellness podcast on SM Enlightenment Radio or TV. This is a podcast for moms who are passionate about being healthy and leading their kids to do the same. Welcome back to the podcast, Mama. Well, have I got a treat for you today. I am so excited for my guest today because she brings a level of expertise that I certainly do not have. And I'm so excited for you to hear from her and to learn from her. And her area of expertise is in running. And I know that when I said that word running, you either got all excited or maybe you even winced a little bit. And today's conversation is going to be for both of you, whichever reaction you had, but especially for those of you who winced a little or just actually physically pulled back a little when I said running, because I know there's a lot of you who were about to just, you know, press pause on the play button there when I said that. But the thing is, hear me out, because this is for you. For those of you who are like, no way, no how, I can't even run around my house, just hang in there with me, because you are going to be able to learn how to take that and progress further. And for those of you who have been thinking about, I know there's a lot of you out there because I've had this conversation quite a few times in the past couple of weeks about like, you know, I think it would be really cool to be able to try to run a race, run a 5K, run a half marathon, but I have no idea how to do that. I don't even know how to go about doing that. Well, this is for you because you are going to learn how to be able to do that. So my guest today is Beverly Asante Pushman. Beverly is a former competitive high school and university athlete turned couch potato who is now back on track as a half marathon runner. As a certified distance running coach and certified nutrition coach, Beverly has walked or rather run the talk. She has even written a book that has everything you need to know how to successfully run a half marathon with ease. Here to share with us how to make this transition from the couch to running the race is Beverly Asante Pushman. Welcome, Beverly. Hi, Jenny. Thank you very much for that warm welcome. <laughs> very excited I, to be here. Yes, I am so excited to have you because I think you are wonderful and this topic is wonderful because I think it just hits home for so many people and you have such an an interesting story and we're definitely going to get into that but I would love to start with the objections because I can still hear it coming up from all these mamas you know coming up with their excuses you know but I'm not a runner I don't have time I mean the list can go on and on right so so tell us what are the most common objections that you hear as to why people can't do a 5k or a half marathon or just even get up off the couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, so probably the absolute most common objection that I 
hear from people when they say like, there's no way I can do this is they're like, just, I can't run that distance, you know? And, you know, so yes, the first day you go out and run, you probably won't be able to run that distance, but that's not the goal. You know, you're not going to be starting running with miles and miles of running all the, all right from the get go. So basically what I always say to people is like, you know, let's say if you were going to get off the couch and you'd never run before in your entire life or never had gym class or whatever it was, um, then you're going to be starting running with bouts of like 60 seconds of running. So it's not a lot, right? So I think that's, and we're talking about running, you know, not at the speed where Usain Bolt would sprint, but we're talking about like, you know, a little faster than walking. (laughs) So so it should be manageable for almost everyone, you know? So um, that's what I always say is like, you know, you, you're going to be going easy pace and you're going to be building your, um, your speed and your mileage as you progress. And yes, it takes a while to get to like, let's say half marathon, marathon distance, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't take forever either. And you'll just gradually be building up your mileage and your long runs every single week, you know, and that's how you progress. Right. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Cause that pretty much takes away every objection in the book that you can even think of. I mean, that takes away the time factor. It takes away that I cannot do that. My body cannot physically do that because you're starting exactly from where you are with the you know inability if some people might describe it that way I don't think you know people necessarily you know aren't able to we're just choosing not to right yeah yeah no exactly I mean there is actually like one objection that's even a little trickier so there are like sometimes people have a community around them that is discouraging them from running which is actually kind of surprising to me that somebody would be discouraged but sometimes (laughs) you know their friends or family or partner it kind of discourages them from doing this and um, what I always say to that is like find your community of runners right because there's so many runners out there you'll probably have some friends or some coworkers or you know some family or someone in your in your wider um, community that is a runner or find a local running group and you can get so much like energy out of these um, these communities where, where runners do come together and uh, and you know I wouldn't worry about any naysayers and people who try to discourage you but if you want to run a half marathon like get out there and start you know <laughs> I think that's so wise because it's so true I mean who we surround ourselves with has such an impact on on who we are and what we can accomplish. And so if you want to be able to do something, go find people that are doing that thing that you want to do. So yeah. that makes a ton of sense. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Very nice. Are there any other objections that you've come across? Um, yeah. So I guess, um, let me think. Um, yeah. So of course you come across the time objection, right? Because people say, I don't have enough time. And that's kind of a matter of, well, you know, what do you want to prioritize, right? How important is it for you to either reach that goal of running a half marathon or how important is it to you for you to be healthy if that's how you're going to like use running? Uh, so that's a matter of like, you know, how important is it to you? And if, you, if it's important to you, I think you'll find the time. And it was interesting because when I started running again, the sort of the second time in my life, um, I was in my mid thirties. So it was almost 10 years ago now. <laughs> it's, uh, and, uh, you know, I was busy too. I had a hundred percent job. I had a, a small child um i was married so like you know there was a lot of things tugging at my time but i had this reason why i wanted to get out there and start running again and i just found the time you know and you find like that you you're doing things that are not as important as maybe going for a run instead you know 
Yeah, I love that. That's so true because we will definitely prioritize the things that are important to us. And you mentioned the word reason. So I think that is really great. So let's let's talk about the reasons or the benefits why someone would want to train for a race or to run a race or just even just do the training and do that discipline. There's there's so many different reasons why someone would do this. What are the the reasons that you see that are the the greatest benefits? Yeah, so um I I have- have a quiz um, that I actually just rechecked again what the reasons are that people give and it's really interesting to see and so the top reason that people gave probably about half the people that took the quiz said get fit or stay fit that is their Mm -hmm. primary reason right and that can have different you know there's different reasons behind that okay get fit is one thing sometimes it's because the doctors told them they gotta get fit you know exactly (laughs) sometimes it's kind of like we look down at our bellies and we're like I think I want to get fit you know (laughs) yeah so there's different ones behind that one too but then the second reason that people gave the second most popular reason which was about 30 percent of the answers was um because it was their bucket list item so they wanted to like you know run a half marathon or they wanted to maybe go on to run a a full marathon but it was a bucket list item for them and you know for some people a bucket list item the first one might be i want to run a 5k or a 10k you don't have to you know as a first race run a half marathon but you can build up and as you're training for a half marathon you can do those other milestones on the way right so that that's like the next most common reason then actually interestingly enough one reason that people give is um for the competition so um Uh, i find you know there's like i find there's runners out there that just like to run and just kind of like to um enjoy nature and there's no competition competitive part around it Mm -hmm. and then there's runners who just absolutely love the competition you know they also just love medals and t-shirts that is the (laughs) got the collection (laughs) you know i like my medals and t-shirts too and i'll always pay a little extra to get a t-shirt and a medal but you know it just it feels kind of nice to have something in your hands when you've worked so hard you know yeah (laughs) well and and i will say just to interrupt you briefly on that I, i think that is really interesting though because i definitely went through that especially for people that are athletes in high school most people don't continue to compete in college and then even for those that do compete in college then okay so once you graduate college um so you're graduating high school or college what opportunities are there really to be doing competitions and have that team aspect and you realize that that's been such a part of your life for so long and then all of a sudden it's not there and I know I definitely went through that so I can see that as you know just a way for people that were former athletes or you know enjoy that competition like what else can I do out there yeah I know and you know that it's really interesting that you should bring that up because um that was a big thing for me actually that affected my training because Mm -hmm. I well as as actually that affected me wanting to start running again because I felt like having always been in this competitive situation I was a competitive athlete for I think 11 or 13 years and um and I couldn't like just go for a run and enjoy the nature like it wasn't possible (laughs) yeah it was like it was competition time every time yeah and it was like it was so weird and I also talked to other you know past athletes and they said the same thing it was really difficult for them to just go for a run and enjoy it right and so that's kind of where I said I needed to set myself some goals and like you know I'd been a sprinter in college so I'd been done longer distances in high school but I went down to the 400 meter in college so it was a very short distance and that's not really what I wanted to go back to and I don't even think really for you know non-college athletes there's that many competitions but then I thought well you know I could do longer distances like 5k 10k um the half marathon and the half marathon for me was just a really perfect distance 
distance because there's plenty of them and it's a distance where uh, it, you can make enough time to train for it like I felt like okay. for me the marathon was just too long and too big mm -hmm. of a time commitment and I felt like the half marathon was a really good um, uh, it's a longer race it, it gives you like some um, something to aim for that's not super easy but it's like it gives you that um, that time still that you have in your schedule you know yeah, yeah. No, I love that. Um, and then were there other uh, reasons and benefits that were on that list that you discovered? Yeah, exactly. So there is actually one other kind of category that uh, that I see, you know, why people start running. And, um, and for some people, it's been like an adverse life event, right? Mm -hmm. So for some people, they've had something, you know, traumatic happen, maybe they've had a diagnosis, and the doctors told them, you know, you really should start exercising a little more. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they've had like a, a death in the family, a divorce, or something that's been like quite sad or has affected them, like partly emotionally as well. And that is also one reason that I see runners coming, uh, uh, people turning to running. And and, and you see, um, you see, I see, I see a lot of runners just then really picking up like energy and, and getting their life back in order through running, right? And also yeah. through the community they gain through running, you know, especially let's say if someone's gotten divorced, then maybe they're looking also for a new community of people to, to kind of um, associate with, and that gives them an opportunity to have a reason to, to, to associate with new people, you know? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think that just all ties in really well with just the the added, the benefits, the physical benefits of mm -hmm. running, of being active, period, right? Mm -hmm. Just movement in your body and the endorphins that gives off the, the, the movement and circulation in your body, just all of those actual health benefits that are helping your body. And, and they help mentally, too. I mean, all of that is proven. So then just that added with the community um, is, is just a, a beautiful thing and just very good reason to be able to just start moving your body, you know, and it gives you purpose in that movement of your body. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, the, you know, the, the physical aspects and the mental aspects that come together are just really so powerful. I mean, the World Health Organization had an interesting quote in one in their physical activity paper. They said that physical activity has a significant health benefit for your heart, body and mind. And I thought that was such a good summary yeah. of like what it does for you. And obviously, it also helps you prevent uh, the risks of certain diseases like, you know, cardiovascular disease, um, hypertension, diabetes also reduces the risk of some cancers. And and there's, you know, reduces the risk of stroke. So there's also just a lot of um, benefits that you get that really are, you know, very tangible. So yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's amazing. So if we haven't been convincing enough, you know, maybe people are just like, oh, let me get up and just start walking now, start running now. So you started going into some of your stories. So so share share your personal journey with us. Like you started out as an athlete young in your life, and then things kind of went and changed. So take us on that journey of how you got to where you are now. Yeah. So for me, my running career, I'm going to say the first phase of it started when I was nine years old. You know, um, our, I changed to a new school and our sports teacher used to take us down to a field and she'd have us run once or sometimes maybe twice around this field and for me this was like pure competition time I always wanted to be the first that got to the end it was a co-ed school and I managed always to be second <laughs> so there was one point that no matter what I did he, I just couldn't beat him and he was just he was a really strong runner and the others sometimes I got the impression it wasn't so much they weren't necessarily fast runners but they just weren't as competitive and we were just kind of chatting yeah. and you know but for me it was like I wanted to get there first so um yeah, so then that year in third grade, my teacher announced that there was going to be a race. So I went to this race and uh, 
you know, we had to take a long bus ride down to the other side of the uh, the country. And uh, and I was kind of, you know, felt kind of carsick, but I, I was like, okay, that's it. So I went out there and I just ran as fast as I could. And there's like this one girl kind of nipping at my heels, but I won the race. You know? Yay! <laughs> and then at the end, um, so, you know, we went home very proud. My mom hung up the medal and the um, the certificate and she was just- That's blowing, where it started. First medal. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know it was so funny the next year um my sports is okay you know we're gonna have the same race again i was like you know what i won this race last year and she's like yeah but you know you may not win this year and i was like really <laughs> it's like seriously <laughs> so, so then no naysayers like, yeah exactly i was like i'm gonna have to defend this title you know so anyway i went out there and ran that you know whatever it was mile or so and won again so, yeah so that was like the second year and then you know it kind of continued I, I went through um middle school high school and i did a, a did different disciplines in high school i was doing a like everything from 400 to 1500 cross country did one very long race around um forget what is the miles maybe 33 kilometers so around mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, that's something like that. yeah. yeah, a long race, and and then um, and then I went on to do college track, and you know I kind of always felt like I didn't have the discipline to like keep running after um, after I got out of college because I'd always trained with a team, so like that was like a really important aspect for me is having this community and team, and that's pretty much what happened. I kind of stopped like cold turkey, and then uh, when I met my husband a few years later, he kept saying, "Hey, Bev, you were like this athletic beast. Why don't you start running again?" And I was like, "Yeah." You know, I, so I didn't really <laughs> didn't really take it seriously, and then I got to my mid thirties. So, and I was uh, we had a step competition at work. So it was like it was for office people to try and get their number of steps they do per day mm-hmm. um, higher to like ten thousand steps, so that yeah. they could um, to, could become more fit, right? And yeah. so this team of uh, that was on my account. It was six men, and they were all about ten to fifteen years older than I was. And they recruited me for their team as their team captain. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like okay. <laughs> and they were all super fit. Like most of them were half marathon runners, marathon runners, oh, or cyclers. Wow. So I was like, we reached a very high step goal. Like we were like number two um, team in our company, like almost in the first week. And so I was like, wow. I was like, you know, we should try to win this. So I had to find a way to like get more steps. So I was <laughs> the like, competitiveness oh, gosh. comes back. <laughs> I know exactly. Seriously. And then so I was like, okay. So then I was like, okay, I'm gonna like start running again. So I started running. And then I was like, wow. Okay. So I declared to the team like I'm gonna run this half marathon. And I thought to myself, wow. Okay, Bev, you've just like declared this to the team. So now you really gotta do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's where it all started because I had to research. I was like, I didn't know how to run a half marathon, so I had to like figure it out and. I eventually ran it a couple months later and yeah, that's where it's, so that's where the second phase started. That takes competition, competitiveness to a whole new level. If your whole reason of doing a half marathon was to win a step competition at work, like I don't think you can get more competitive than that. Probably not. That's awesome. And did you guys win? Uh, actually, you know, we came in close second, but we no, we all of more, that. And the average for our team was more than 20,000 steps per day. And we had a wow. couple days where we did, like some of us did more than 50,000. So wow, it was like, yeah, it was like really serious. Content. Was the other team running marathons all of them? Uh, like, man. No, I think we had a couple triathletes on the team. And so uh, it actually wasn't just walking or running. So even um, swimming and yeah. um, and cycling counted in. So the different sports would count in as well. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's a, that's a competition. (laughs) Yeah. So then that was your first half marathon. 
yeah, that was my first half marathon. And then, you know, I kept, so I have to admit, I wasn't perfect about it. It's not like I've run one after the other. I did sometimes take a break here and there, mm-hmm. um, but now I'm back in training and, you know, hoping to to be ready for half marathon in about six weeks. So preparing for that next weekend, I'm going to wow. run um, a 10K in preparation. So, you know, I try to, I try to really keep going because for me, it's really, it's that, it's that mental thing. Like I just feel mm-hmm. so fresh and like, so um, I feel like my brain ticks really well and I'm really creative when I, when I'm actually training for these half marathons. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the end goal in terms of like, you know, running the fastest time is no longer as important to me. I've kind of come to the stage in my life where I can also just enjoy a run. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't have to be top speed, you know, and I don't have to like, you know, obviously don't try to win these competitions, but you know, it's yeah. fine. I just go and I tr- set myself a time three, four weeks before and say, okay, I'm going to try and hit this and see what happens. You know, it's okay. Yeah. Well, and I love that because I think your story just brings it full circle about where we started with just the the reasons that people run and, and the reasons to run and the benefits of that. And I think it's fair to say it changes over time as well, but there's so many reasons and so many benefits that it doesn't matter which one is the reason that you are using, but just the benefits are just astounding and just so numerous that it's so good for whatever stage that you are that you can just enjoy it or, or just you know be competitive about it or just be competitive to beat your own time or just mm-hmm. doing it just to stay active and, and stay as healthy and fit as you can so and some people I know will say it's my sanity <laughs> like it's what yeah. keeps me sane <laughs> oh yeah that's a big one I mean that's a big one in the runner community they it's really like that's definitely also a big reason yeah for sure Yeah, that's awesome. Very good. So thank you for sharing your story because I think that's really inspiring, especially just the the competitiveness um, speaks to so many people, but also the fact that it wasn't this just straight through thing that just your whole life that you've always had that objective that you had real life and you know growing up and adulting and having kids and and family and time commitments that to be able to get back into it and to take your life that had become more sedentary you had to do the same steps that any quote-unquote average person right would have to do in that same place to be like okay i'm gonna make this choice i'm gonna make this commitment i want to do this for myself for my health and and i need to take these steps and it's the same steps that anyone no matter what their background would have to take to just get up from the couch and go start running yeah absolutely yeah so thank you for sharing that with us so what we're going to do now is we're going to take a break and when we come back i'm excited for you to be able to share with us like that outline of what the steps are to get from the couch up and running so we will be right back with beverly asante pushman on sm enlightenment radio and tv you're listening to moms for wellness we'll be right back All right, we are back on Moms for Wellness and on SM Enlightenment Radio and TV, and we are talking with Beverly Asante Pushman, and we are talking about how to go from the couch to 
running a race. So yes, there's the couch potato. If you are not watching, you'd need to watch because we have great graphics. Um, so yes, we are sitting here. We are couch potatoes. So let's get to us. Walk us through how does this actually happen? How can I go from the couch to a half marathon? And not even just the couch. Like definitely, I'm sure it's the same steps. But like I said, I've had this conversation with multiple people that are starting to get into running. They're like, you know, I kind of like running. I, I would like to do a race, but I have no idea what to do. So start us from the beginning. Where do we start? Yes. So if you're starting from the couch, then you'll be uh, starting off really slowly and not upping your mileage too fast just to keep yourself safe. But um, actually, to be very honest, if you're sitting on your couch right now and you want to start, like just get your shoes on and just take a walk. <laughs> like that's already yes. one way to start, start getting up, right? Because I know a lot of us like sit in cars a lot or we, you mm. know, we're sitting on public transport, but you know, getting off your public transport a bit earlier or parking a little further away, those are all ways that you can kind of get to do to get your basic fitness, uh, you know, up, right? But so if you were going to start, so the first recommendation I would make is go to a running store and not a sports store, but really a running store and get yourself a good pair of running shoes. It's super critical because, um, you know, you can get all kinds of different shoes, but not, you know, if you go into a running store, somebody can look at your feet, they can look at how you walk or run and they can get you the right kind of running shoes that will get you off to a good start. Right. Yeah. So that's the first recommendation I would make. And then the second recommendation is if you're starting off the couch and you haven't really done much sports for a while, then I would say start with a with a couch to 5K plan because with a couch to 5K plan, you can get started really slowly. The first couple times when you go out running, you'll be doing really short intervals of running. It's just like 60 seconds. So I think the first week you're even just walking. So you'll actually be, you'll be, um, you'll be starting off super slow and, and just, gradually, gradually building that mileage. And then at the end of that plan, then you can actually run a 5k race. So you already get a little bit of race experience. So you're, um, you're building that that experience that you're going to be using later, uh, later on, right. So once you've gotten that goal done, there's also other introductory plans, you can use any kind of introductory plan to get started. But then you've got that first race. So then what you can do after that is you can go into like a low volume half marathon plan. So you know, pick one that fits the amount of miles you've been running. Um, per week and then uh, you can start from that and then you'll be training probably anywhere from three to five times a week and uh, and you'll start building the mileage slowly slowly each week a little bit more and each week your long runs that maybe you do on the weekend will start growing and then all of a sudden you'll be there on the start line of your half marathon and racing. <laughs> I love it. So if we are, so actually go back to the the very first thing, the shoes. I definitely, I think that's amazing that you started there. And I think that's a great, great point um, that can be so quickly overlooked. And I wouldn't have even necessarily thought of that, but just thinking of my own experience um, that it makes such a difference because like, you know, if you pronate or just do different things, like, I mean, I ended up getting a stress fracture just from the way I run. And so I needed to, you know, get better shoes and get inserts. And so I think that's such a great point that is, is very important to not overlook because that that is so important that you want to make sure that you are running as safely as possible and have the support and the things that you need. So I think that's an excellent point to be able to start there. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's super important. I mean, that is also a point I have to say that I overlooked when I started running again. You know, I pulled out my old running shoes from like, you know, 15 years ago, whatever it was. And, you know, one of the things is just also the foam in the shoes actually degrades over time, right? So mm-hmm. even if they're two or three years old, they may not really protect you well enough. So really getting and also, you know, I guess it's also like you, you change and you change how you walk. So it's mm, also just really important yeah. to to get something that fits your feet at that moment, right? Yeah. And also, um, isn't there something about like a certain mileage that, you know, you know, that your shoes last? Like, mm. is that true? Yeah, they do have kind of a lifespan, right? And so, I mean, it's going to be different for different kinds of shoes, but I, I forget the exact number of miles, but mm-hmm. it's good to check because you do, like, for example, some people on their app where they um, have to record their running, they also record what shoes they run with. So mm-hmm. then you kind of know about how many miles you've done on your shoes. And what I would say what's even more important, actually, is to turn them over every so often and look at them. Because, for example, like, I have a, a gait where I tend to kind of run a little bit on my heels sometimes. So I tend to wear them off at the back faster than the mileage that they probably should be able to do. And I did have sort of a small injury because I hadn't turned my shoes over and wasn't aware of the fact that my shoes were really worn. So um, that was one of the things that I told myself from now on. I'm always, you know, like once a month or every two weeks, I'll just turn them over and see what they look like. So that's also an indication. And also when you go buy shoes, um, either for the first time or the next time, take a pair of shoes with you because then the person in the store can look at how you're wearing the shoes down. And that gives them also some indications of how you run. So Ooh, those are really, really good. And I think the distinction that you said too, to go to a running store um, and get fit specifically for you, I think is so, so important because it's not, there's so many shoes out there. There's so many brands out there and they all do different things, right? And it might be like, well, I saw a commercial for this, or this is what everyone quote unquote seems to be wearing, but it's actually more important to get a shoe that fits you personally for your needs, for your body and for your reasons for using them, you know, for running, because then there's all different sports and all different kinds of supports that you would need. So just getting one that's just like, oh, this is just the popular one. I saw this commercial isn't necessarily what you need. And someone at a specialty store would be able to help you with that. Yes, absolutely. And I'll tell you a short story. I mean, the one of the when I kind of restarted running after I realized that my old shoes weren't going to do it, I went into a sports store, not a running store, as I've made all these mistakes. That's why I know not to make them again. But I actually walked out and I walked out with shoes that weren't appropriate for running, you know, so you'd have figured as a runner, I would have known what running shoes look like. But it was a long time after I'd been running. So I walked out and it was actually funnily enough with someone who'd um, in my office, who'd been a professional athlete, he was actually a cycler, not a runner. But he looked at those shoes he's like, you do know those are not running shoes and I was like hmm okay no I didn't realize <laughs> but so then I went into a running store and bought some running shoes you know so I've made the mistakes before <laughs> yeah and it's and it's interesting too just saying there were just running shoes too because especially for people that are transitioning from just athletes of, of different sports into the running world there is that distinction too because I'll never forget the first time I wore a pair of running shoes and because I had always had cleats and I always you know high tops for basketball and just different shoes for different sports but never specifically for running and when I got that like I felt like I was running on a cloud like it was just so soft I'm like oh maybe I can run like this is such a different experience so I I think that is really important to be aware of those differences too yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you hit it. You hit the nail on the head. There's different shoes for different sports, and that is really. I mean, and also you don't want to end up with fitness shoes for running outdoors, right? And also, mm-hmm. if you run on road or if you run on trail, you're probably going to get different shoes, and you may want you know two pairs of shoes, or at least later when you start training more, you may want two pairs of shoes for um, different uh, terrains, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So then, so we got our shoes, and then you said, so get a, like, especially if we're going from the couch, get a couch to 5K plan. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so there's a program called Couch to 5K, which is essentially designed for if, you, if you're really just starting out as a runner. And uh, and that, and basically what I should maybe also clarify is like a training plan is a, essentially, it's a, it's a plan which it gives you, tells you by week or by day, you know, how much you should run or how fast and how far. And so, so it kind of gives you some guidance and how to do the workouts, right? <clears throat> and uh, and the idea is really at the end is it gets you from having done pretty much nothing to getting you to be able to run that race, right? And so yeah. there's different, like the Couch to 5K is one specific program, but there's also other introductory plans, like Runner's World has some introductory plans and and a lot of them are, are really good. So and, and yeah, so you can look at the different ones and check which one suits you best. That's amazing. So is that something, is that an app you said, or is that something you just go online and find? Yeah, you can find the plan online, but there's also an actual, it's called um, uh, C2, number number two, number five K. So, and that's like an actual app you can download and it, it will take you through and it, you can do your workouts and it'll take you through the program. Ah, that's amazing. So then what kind of time commitment? So for someone that is a couch potato, just, you know, not into the running thing, I need to start with the walking and start with a short, you know, intervals of running in there. Like what kind of time commitment, just a general idea, like per day or per week, are we looking at to be able to start committing to? Right. So it starts off, you're probably running around, I'm guessing it's, I think it's either three or four days. I think one might be optional, Um, but around three days and you're probably starting around 20 to 30 minutes somewhere in that range okay. um, of like you know not running all of it but just you know little bats of running and then walking in between so you kind of run walking um, in the beginning and then building up to um, to running that 5k awesome and then is there about do you know about how long those couch to 5ks give for the training like if I started today in how many weeks would I be able to expect that I could reasonably do that 5k yeah, so most of these introductory plans are somewhere in the range of nine to 12 weeks. So you've, you know, depending on which one you pick, and some people like to pick the ones that take a bit longer to do just because mm-hmm. they've got a bit more time to build up and other people say, okay, you know, I'm good with a nine week plan. Um, so roughly, you know, anywhere eight to 12 weeks, I'd say is, is the okay. range. Yeah, that's amazing. So then for someone that has been running, what are the differences? Like someone who is an athlete that's in, you know, has been running on a regular basis, like, okay, now I want to be able to train for a race. What does that look like? Yeah. So let's say if you've been running, maybe you've done some 5Ks, maybe some 10Ks even, or maybe you've just been kind of running each week and not training for a specific race, but you already have kind of a basic fitness level. And let's say you can run for half an hour, 40 minutes. Then, for example, you could actually transition straight into a half um, half marathon plan. So um, then you would basically, you could pick, depending on how much you'd been running, you might pick a low volume plan. And let's say you've been doing a significant amount of running, you could probably take a more advanced plan where you'll be running a bit more every, every week. Some people will choose to do a low volume plan just because of the time commitment. Mm-hmm. So it's like a couple of factors you'll want to look at when you pick the training plan. You'll want to look at the starting mileage and the longest runs to see that it kind of matches with what where you are right now. And then the other thing to check out is also just what does it build up to at the end of the plan, right? Because if you take a very high volume, 
volume plan, you also have quite a significant time commitment, usually towards the end of a half marathon plan. I mean, some of them even go into twice a day training, right? So if you were, if you had a very high mileage base, then if you pick the high volume plan, you could end up training twice a day, which may not suit some people's schedules, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I've tried that before and it is a bit tricky. I mean, especially when you've got kids, you know, at the beginning, the end of the day, going twice a day, that's a big time commitment. Mm -hmm. So you got to pick what kind of suits you in terms of uh, your level of training currently, but also your time commitment that you're willing to make over the time period of the plan. Sure. And for people that I know that have done that, like typically, and correct me if I'm wrong, like there's like, you know, a, a longer run and typically they'll do like on a Saturday when they would have that extra time to be able to commit to that. And then those plans kind of take that into account for that kind of a, a cadence, I guess, in the in the plan. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some plans will do it on Saturday, some on Sunday, but generally, like you can move them the rounds around a little bit. I mean, it's not, you know, you shouldn't do like okay. two really hard days in a row. But mm-hmm. if you're uncertain, then maybe you have a friend who's a coach, or you can ask someone like how to change the plan around if it doesn't quite suit your days. But generally, so I would say after most plans will have a rest day after your long run, but you can kind of shift them. And if it says Monday, you do this, then you can kind of shift it by day, that shouldn't be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so a lot of them will put the long run on the weekend because for most people that's the most convenient. Um, mm-hmm. There are actually plans, and this is something to be aware of, that will do a long run every 10 days. So it'll be like one week on Sunday, one week on Wednesday. So it's kind of like um, that can alternate, but most plans don't do that. Most plans realize that for most people it's most convenient on Saturday or Sunday. So, But that's just something to be aware of that some plans actually do build it in that way as well. Oh, that's interesting. So that's definitely something to take note of. To, there's, so what I'm hearing is there's multiple plans that you can look at. So mm-hmm. just kind of take a look through them. Are they typically something that you would, because um, I don't know, like if you're looking online or in a book or something that you could just kind of look through and see what it is, or you wouldn't have access to that before you would, you know, purchase it yeah. or... So most plans will give you kind of a rough description, like they'll kind of tell you about where it builds up to in terms of time and mileage. They'll also tell you, um, you know, facts like, you know, normally where when the long runs are and like a bit the structure of the plan, you'll get an idea. And normally you get to see maybe one week or a couple weeks um, as sample uh, plans. There's also some coaches that will actually allow you to download like a sample plan for the first couple of weeks just to try it. And if you like it, mm-hmm. then you can purchase the plan. Um, there are also free plans. I kind of advise people to stay away from them because I say, you know, I'm sure you can find qual- very high quality free plans, but I always say, you know, if you're going to pay for something, then you probably get a certain quality if you get it from a good coach. So I would say, you know, make the investment. It's maybe somewhere between 25 to $40, but I feel like it's a really okay. worthwhile investment. And then you normally also get, you know, um, plans that are kind of linked to the latest science and like the way people train. And I've made really good experiences with that. And I've seen some of the free plans and I thought, mm, I don't know if you're doing yourself justice for doing all that training and then following a plan that might not get you to the goal that you should really, or that what you might want to reach, right? Interesting. So then how would someone discriminate between what is considered a good plan and what is not a good plan? Yeah, I mean, so I I personally have a couple people that I that I, you know, whose plans I really like and my the plans that I really like are from Matt Fitzgerald. I've used a lot of his plans. The Runner's World plans are pretty solid. I know a lot of people like um the Hal um 
Hal Higdon plans. Um, there's also Greg McMillan has some pretty interesting plans. Then um, the other ones, which are kind of different, but some people really like that as well. I've not personally tried them, but is the um, the Galloway method. So that's a, a run walk method. And that looks um, looks pretty interesting. So I've not made any experience with it, but I know a lot of people like really like those as well. So, I mean, those are ones you can start with and have a look at um, and, and go from there. Okay, that's amazing. So what I'm hearing is that there are a lot of different kinds of plans. So it's possible to kind of take a look at different things and even within the plans of how you're going to get to this half marathon of different ways that you can do that that might suit you better. Yeah, absolutely. So do some of them have would like interval training or other like non running training be a part of that? Or is it typically just different distances and, and breaks? Or are you doing some other? Kind yeah, of training? so I think I would say, I think all the ones I mentioned would probably integrate um, it, uh, tempo runs and, and, and interval runs and uh, different very like very variances of uh, types of intervals so yeah that's definitely an important part i mean that's also why i said sometimes the free plans are not necessarily going to get you to where you want to go because i've seen a lot of free plans will just give you mileage per day but there's no interval training so that's like one of the things that i say well i do think it is it makes actually sense to do some interval training or tempo training and of course a little bit depending on your experience level that's why it's also important to pick a plan that kind of matches with your experience level as a runner um because that will also then have different types of exercises in there like you know you we're not you'll not start with like hill intervals if you're a very um, novice runner so that would be important to match that as well Awesome. That's amazing. I just learned a ton. I had no idea that there were so many options. Mm-hmm. And then just to be able to navigate through that. Um, do, is there anything else with, you know, the picking the plan, how to get from here to there that you want to be able to add on about just things that we might not know to be able to look for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people will also ask about like equipment, you know, like a like a watch or so I always say, you know, as you get, I think for, um, you know, a, a couch to 5k plan, if you have if you know how many seconds you're running, then you're probably okay with that. But then as you get into the more advanced plans, I think for uh, it could definitely make sense to look into a kind of a training, you know, watch or whatever you like to call it. And you can also use your telephone. Some people use their telephone and it mm-hmm. tells them the the pace and the even their heart rate if they connect a, a heart rate belt. Um, so that's definitely something that you may want to invest in. Um, the watch, some of them are very advanced and have a lot of metrics in them. Some people get super excited about all these metrics <laughs> yes, and other people are like, oh, yeah, all way too much information. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I have to admit I'm one of those geeks. I like to look at the metrics. <laughs> so I always get a fancy watch, but you know, it's absolutely, it's, it's, you know, I think I also say, you know, there's like, there's, there's about four different ways how you can measure your intensity on a run. And one thing that's just important is that you have kind of an idea of how, you know, I would say fast or intense you're running because um, that does kind of make a difference for your training. So, you know, there's different mm-hmm. ways. Just either you do pace, so like you're literally how fast you're going, or then heart rate is one way to also do it, um, you know, by having a heart rate monitor and seeing how fast your heart's beating. The other way is um, is with um, what they call perceived um Gosh, in other words, escape me. Perceived, uh, yeah, it's like what you perceive as a person, mm-hmm. like, you know, how you perceive your running. It's like a scale, yep. I think, of one to 10. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other one is with power, for example. So that's where you have like a little foot pod on your foot and it tells your, um, let's say, your watch or your um, oh. phone, maybe if it's possible to connect it, um, how much power you're exerting when you're running. And that's kind of a new method that's like kind of new in the last year. I've never years. heard that. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's really cool. I've been using it for probably like four or five years now. And I just have one athlete that started using it and he, he thinks it's the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> but it's certainly, it's probably for a bit more the advanced runners because they are starting to have more um, novice plans for power as well. In the beginning, there are a lot of advanced plans, but I, I personally think it's brilliant. I, I love it. Huh. So. so how does, how would that affect your training? Yeah. So, um, right. So that's actually a really interesting question. So depending on which intensity method you, you pick, you have sort of different pros and cons, right? So with pace, if you're running, if you're where you live, it's completely flat, then you're good. <laughs> you're okay. If it goes up and down a lot, then pace is probably not going to be your best friend <laughs> because uh, yeah. it's really difficult. Like if you're going up, yeah. you can't keep the same pace yeah. on a flat ground and you shouldn't, right? Because right. it's much more intense. Yeah. So, um, on the other hand, if you're um, training by heart rate, that can work for some people most of the time, but it's it's affected by a lot of different things. So it's affected by your hydration level, um, mm -hmm. how you slept that day, if you drank any alcohol, like there's a lot of things that affect yeah. your heart rate. So it sometimes it seems very inaccurate and it's like difficult to gauge. Plus it doesn't adjust very, very fast, right? So let's yeah. say if you are doing interval training, it's very hard to figure out what zone you're in because it, there's a lag in, a, in adjustment, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, um, and then the perceived effort is, um, well, that is, you know, clearly that if you're good at that, and that's something that I always say, in a way you should be doing that as well as whatever else you're doing just to get mm -hmm. to know your body better. But for some people, when they start out, it's not something they find easy to do to say, okay, it's an effort five, four, you know, all these kind of different sure. numbers. And then power to me is the one I love it because, you know, if I'm going uphill or downhill, it adjusts. So right. it's super. I love it. I mean, and yes, there's still a little bit of difference, but it's not as big as with pace or as with heart rate. Interesting. That is really fascinating. And I could see how the perceived effort would need to be paired with stuff because that's just your perception. So just using that paired with hard data is is really important. And I am sure that changes as you advance in your uh, preparation that, you know, your perception of how hard something is, is going to change over time as well, because it's going to feel like it's getting easier, I would assume. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's two dimensions to that, right? So the actual workouts start to feel easier, but you also get faster as you do the workouts, right? Mm. So, but yeah, it's definitely that way. I mean, you, um, I think, you know, it's also like a lot of running is really also a mental game. So it's really also mm. like, okay, you know, can I do this? And how do I feel about how to do it? And actually, interesting enough, my watch often asks me at the end of the workout, how hard was that workout? <laughs> you know? And I was like, and I try to gauge it on a scale of one to 10. And it's a really valid question because, you know, some yeah. days you like you didn't sleep well, or let's say you had yeah. a hard day at work, or, you know, your kids were running around and stressing you out. So it's much harder to work out. Um, so that is actually, it's true the, the, the perceived, yeah. it, the perceived effort can also seem different on different days, depending on what happened that day, you know? Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. And what about injuries? Like if someone says, you know, I, I've had an injury, um, can I still do something like this? How do you address injuries from the past <clears throat> or injuries, how to prevent injuries as well? Yeah, exactly. So injuries is certainly something that in running you want to be just careful with, right? So um, yes, look, I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you if you, know, yes. <laughs> if you can run. But if you've had an injury in the past, you know, definitely get cleared by the doctor, make sure everything's okay again. But in general, 
yes, it can happen. It happens um, quite frequently when runners get really excited in the beginning when they start training, like they go out and they start running, which is really great. But then you've got to be careful about upping your mileage too fast. Like you don't want to up your mileage more than 10% a week. And you don't want those long runs to be more than 10% longer than the the week before. And when people get excited, they'll sometimes go out and like up their mileage, you know, like almost Mm. 50% a week. And that's just too much, you know? And yes, then you can get shin splints, uh, runner's Mm -hmm. knee, and uh, IT band syndrome, all kinds of mm-hmm. things that aren't really that pleasant. But um, if you're careful and you know, you've got good shoes and you're, you're careful. And I think the one thing I always tell people too, is like, you know, if you do feel pain, like don't wait, I mean, mm. seek, seek medical advice because you know, the, the last thing you want to do is run on an injury for three or four weeks until you just more or less can't yeah, run. No, anymore. it's going to get a lot worse. It's going to take you a yes. lot, lot longer to recover. Like seriously. I mean, it's like, yeah. I, I see people do this all the time and I don't understand yeah. it. I think they hope it's going to go away, but it's yeah. like, seriously, I mean, if you have those little nickels, either, you know, reduce your mileage for a little while and try to get it to go away. Mm-hmm. But really, I mean, seek medical help if you need to, it's worth it. I think that's excellent advice because I think especially once you get into that mindset, like I'm going to do this, I found the plan, I'm like halfway through this, like I'm just going to, you know, push through, but it's just not wise. It's just, it's so much better to just pull back and just, okay, take it easy, take a break, you know, get it checked out because it's just going to get worse over time if you keep pounding on it. Yeah, generally does, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Beverly, you are amazing. You have so much information. You have given us such great thoughts and ideas and know-how, just the intelligence of, of how to do this. So how can someone get in touch with you? And you also wrote a book. So share us about, you know, about the book that you wrote and how people can get their hands on that to learn more about what you've shared with us today. Yeah, if you want to learn more and you're interested in running a half marathon, you can get my book on Amazon or also many other online retailers and sometimes even in bookstores. Um, you'll find me at I love to run race.com or on my Facebook page, facebook.com. I love to run race. So I'd love to hear from you. And also, if you're interested in finding out how ready you are to run a half marathon, I've got a little quiz on my website. So you can go to the website and go to the very top uh, right. There's a tab called quiz and then you can um you know, find out how ready you are. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. And we will certainly link your website in our show notes as well. So they can just go there, be able to take your quiz, be able to get your book um, from there. So Beverly, thank you so much for being here with us today. I learned so much. I know this is going to be such a great help to so many mamas out there. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you very much, Jenny. It was a real, real pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me on SM Enlightenment Radio or TV or joining me on the Moms for Wellness podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Moms for Wellness podcast and leave a five-star rating or review. It really is helpful and we would be so grateful. I'm Jenny. Have a good one.